Hope you brought your copies of God's Word with you, so uh, grab them, if you will, and open to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews, chapter 11. I'm going to read the first six verses of Hebrews 11. You follow in your copies of that which we consider to be inerrant, infallible, inspired, without mixture, without contradiction, the very mind of God is black words on a white page. Here we go. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God, that endures forever. Did y'all notice the, um, the title of my sermon this morning? I'm kind of, kind of proud of it. Um, I uh, hate the process of coming up with titles. But did you notice this one? It's entitled, A Sermuncle. Now, do you know what a sermuncle is? I found that word in a dictionary of forgotten English words, and it has a Latin root. Um, I, I'm, I'm not making this up. I mean, the, the Latin root is sermunculus, and the Latin word means a small sermon. Now, guys, here at, at Gracie Van, and it normally takes place on the second Sunday of the month, not every month, but... Most months, it's the second Sunday of the month, which this is. Um, on the second Sunday of the month, normally, I preach a sermuncle. Um, I didn't say it was a good sermuncle. I just said it was a sermuncle. And there's a reason that I preach a sermuncle on these, um, on these Sundays. And it's because... Once a month, here at Gracie Van, we celebrate the Lord's death using that. Using the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we celebrate the Lord's sacrificial death on behalf of his people. We're convinced that, that remembering that, remembering his death, 
is so important to the people of God that we shouldn't tack this on the end of my sermon. You know, I preach and then we, okay, let's get to this and get that over with. So we, we, we believe that, that the symbol that is, or what is being symbolized by these symbols is so important that we shouldn't just make it an add-on to the service. It should be the focus of the service. So to do that, I must shorten my sermon. Thus, the sermuncle. A sermuncle that is designed, it's simply designed to underscore the importance of what you're going to do, not what I'm doing but to remind you of the significance of what you're doing. Because you are in a very individualized, very tangible, celebratory way, you are going to remember through these elements the Lord's death for you. So, on to the sermuncle. Here we go. Gang, you and I are daughters and sons of the, of the Reformation. The Protestant Reformation. Um, a, an historical event that was begun in 1519 when a German monk by the name of Luther, Martin Luther, nailed 95 challenges, they're called theses, when Martin Luther nailed 95 challenges to the Roman Catholic hierarchy, he nailed those 95 challenges on the church door at Wittenberg, Germany, and launched what has come to be known as the Protestant Reformation. So, this morning, whether you're a Methodist or a, a Lutheran or a Baptist or a, a Presbyterian, we're all Protestants. Now, that word Protestant stems from the protest. From the protest that, was, that erupted into a full-scale revolution begun by that Event, that single event of Martin Luther taking 95 challenges and nailing them to the church door at Wittenberg. You are a protester, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that? You're a protester. Thus the word Protestant. Now, in the beginning of the, of the Protestant Reformation, uh, certainly in the early days, by far, the most divisive issue among the Reformers was not predestination. The most divisive issue was this. Uh, and as you may know, there are, to this day, uh, dialogues and discussions and debates that are still going on. There is the Roman Catholic view, which is called transubstantiation. Ever heard of that? 
There's the Lutheran view that is called consubstantiation. And then there is really the, the majority view, at least among Protestants it's the majority view. Uh, it's called the Zwinglian view or the Reformational view. Now, guys, my purpose this morning is not to debate the pros and the cons of each of those and try to get you to believe one particular position. That's not what I'm here for. There is something I would, however, like you to know. Because in those three positions, there is one part of the whole discussion over which there is absolute agreement. There is one part of this discussion uh, about the meaning of this sacrament over which there is complete unanimity. And it is this. All three of those positions agree of the requirement of faith to properly participate. To, To rightly partake in this sacrament... Everybody agrees that faith is required. No matter how able you might be in discussing the, the, uh, the theological um, uh, insights and disagreements among these three positions. And we can do that one of these days if you like. Uh, but no matter how able you might be and how knowledgeable you might be of the, of the ins and the outs and the whys and the wherefores of each of those positions, they all agree that without faith you cannot acceptably participate. It's impossible for you to rightly partake in this sacrament because faith is a requirement to rightly participate in this sacrament. And as our text says... Without faith, it's impossible to please God in any way. Now, guys, the, the faith that pleases God and the faith that I'm, I want to... help you bring to this sacrament. The, the, the acceptable faith, and you do know, don't you... Surely you do, that not all faith is pleasing to God. I mean, you do know, I mean, the New Testament says the devils believe. The devils have a certain faith in God, but it's certainly not a pleasing one. But the, but the acceptable faith is one that is given a bit of a definition in verse 1 of Hebrews 11. Um, look at it. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There is a brief, and and maybe not comprehensive, but a very good definition of the faith necessary to rightly participate. And let me me kind of describe that, and we'll move on. That is, let me me try to explain what's said there, and then we'll, we'll meet at the table. Guys, um... The faith that is being defined, defined in Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think, can be summarized like this. Um, and I, I think this is very easily understood. This faith is a belief that the real world, the real world is the invisible one. 
Look at it. It says, the conviction of things not seen. The real world is the invisible one. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the faith that is an acceptable faith that qualifies us to rightly participate. Let me, let me say a couple more things about that. And that we bring a conviction to this table that the, that, that the real world, this is just a warm-up, this is just a, a dress rehearsal, the one we're in now, but the real one is the invisible one. Now, guys, that means a couple of three things. It means, first of all, that makes God the chief reality by which all other realities um, are defined. God is the reality, and every other little subset of reality must, must draw its definition from first referencing the reality. Um, this might help. Um, you know, guys, uh, there are two um, bodies in the heavens that produce light, or actually that uh, have light. One is the sun. Well, there's a lot of them, I guess, but uh, the, the two that we know, the sun and the moon. But you do know, don't you, that the moon has, d- doesn't produce any light on its, on its own. It's all reflected light. It just reflects light that came from the source of light, sun. So when you see that beautiful moon and you're walking down that strolling with your beloved and you're singing, blue moon. well, ladies and gentlemen, that light that you're seeing is reflected from the real light. There's only one light. And all other lights derive their light from that light. That's like reality, guys. The chief reality is the existence of God. And all other realities draw their definition out of the existence of that reality. All other reality must make reference to that reality. Believe that? Because, you see, the faith that we bring to this table is faith that has a conviction of the things not seen Here's another thing that means, not only that God is the chief reality, but it also means that my greatest good is going to be found in pursuing Him. My greatest good is to be found in pursuing the reality. Because I'm convicted of the things not seen. Guys, everybody agrees that you've got to bring faith to this table. And the faith that, that you bring to the table is a conviction of the things not seen, which means that God is the chief reality and my greatest good is to be found in pursuing Him. One other thing and I'm done. And that that God that I'm going to pursue, that God that I'm going to seek, is a God who is revealed in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Gang. If what you believe about God is not derived from...
from what Jesus Christ told you about him. Then you don't believe in this God. This is a text out of John 1. This is John 1.18. It says simply, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is... Or, no one has ever seen God, that the only God who is at the Father's side, that is a reference to Christ, He has made Him known. One of the purposes of Jesus' coming was to make known this God. Whatever thoughts that you may have about this God, they've come from what Jesus Christ has revealed to be true about Him. If what you believe about this God is not in concert with what Jesus Christ has revealed about Him, then the God that you have is not the right God. I'm simply saying, guys, that we're about to come and remember the death of Jesus Christ which requires faith. And the faith that is required is a faith that believes that the real world is the unseen one, that the chief reality is, is God, and all of the realities get their definition from Him. And not only that, the, the God that I'm thinking about is the God that was revealed to me in the life and death and ministry of Jesus Christ. Come meet him. There's one particular thing that he wants you to know this morning about him. And that is that he so loved the world. That he found a way to save them. By the sacrifice of his own son. Bring that with you. Let's pray. Our Father, I I do pray that as we gather around this very significant table, that you will remind us of what is at the center of of our religion, and that is the incarnation of one known and called the Christ, who ultimately lived the life that we should have lived, and then went on to die the death that we should have died. And then offered us the free gift of eternal life that we lay hold of by faith. It is with that faith that we come to this table this morning. We pray all, as always, in Jesus' name.